Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 10 here on Veterans Day, November 11th, where we remember all of those who served. I want to apologize in advance. We skipped a week last week. There was a <laughs> couple, little bit going on. A couple things happened. Uh, this is your co-host, Tom Pyle. <laughs> and your host is Mike McKenna. Uh, I take full responsibility for uh, disappointing our listeners. I'd like partial responsibility. By not having... Having uh, an episode last week, uh, there were events beyond my control, but now we're here uh, on this day where the media who told us for four years that President Trump's election was given to him by fraud and Russian influence now want us to accept the fact that Joe Biden is our next president because they are the ones who declared it. Well, I'm okay with that. It's the the, the part that bothers me is that... Everybody who voted for Trump is a racist and a terrible person and um, deplorable and blah, 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 fill in the blank. But we call upon you to unify with us um, in moving America forward kind of thing. I'm like, it, it boiled, to a, boiled to a license plate, a bumper sticker. It's um, all you racists should unify with us. The um, call for unity <laughs> came at the same time that the Lincoln Project is doxing attorneys at Jones Day. <laughs> Uh, wait, what else? Yeah, what, well, what else is well, floating uh, out there? Oh, there's the Trump Accountability yeah, Project, so, which is putting anyone who had anything to do with Donald Trump on a list. Yeah, so let me let me say this about that Trump Accountability Project. I went through the list because right, somebody posted up a screenshot of everybody, and and those sons of bitches missed me. And I want to know who do I have to email to like get make sure I'm on the list. <laughs> I, I haven't checked to see if my name. I'm on. on the, I mean, I went yet. through the administration thing. I'm like, I'm not even on the list, dude. As a senior official, as a deputy assistant of the president, get me on the list. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's it, just like I get irritated when there's articles about undue influence uh, on the well, on the cafe mandate, and I wasn't on any of those articles. Seriously, I, what's I was, the deal? I was at least part of the undue influence. <laughs> Think the so the unity thing, right? Michelle Obama, and you know, God. God love the Obamas, right? Um, oh, you, you're the, talking about her Twitter? Yeah, where she oh, yeah. she, I'll, she I'll tweeted, she tweeted yeah. that, you know, everybody who voted, what we know is that everybody who voted for Donald Trump and, you know, half of the people who voted basically voted for Donald Trump, right? You know, they were okay with lying and racism and all this other stuff. She tweeted it like an hour after um, Biden and Harris had, Senator Harris had asked for unity and, you know, Gonna heal America, heal the soul of the nation. I mean, it it I'm willing to let bygones be bygones, but the other side probably needs to let stuff go. Can I can I read it? Let's remember that tens of millions of people who voted for the status quo, even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. We've got a lot of work to do to reach out to these folks in the years ahead and connect <laughs> with them on what unites us. You lying MFers, I want to reach out to you in the years ahead. I mean, it's just whatever these it it <laughs> you know what if it didn't happen somebody would write it as a fiction because it's just too weird and too funny i mean the whole thing we we, I mean, we you, think you, you could guys... not rewrite this you could not write this novel as a fiction novel you could not write 2020 as a fiction novel the the okay all politics all politics in this country is poisoned with rancor um um but these guys on the other side, if they really want to pursue this unity thing, they have got to either um, smother 
some of that with a pillow or just let it go. I mean, you won your election. Um, press loves you. You're going to, you know, you're going to have control of the White House and all the cool stuff for the next four years, probably. Um, you know, just move along. I don't understand this fascination with why does everyone have to agree with them? I mean, I'm going to say something real bad here, right? You, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very female way of thinking about it, right? I, I, most, most girls don't want you just to say, "Hey, I'm real sorry that you know we had this disagreement." They, they're not happy until you say, "I agree with you, and you're totally right." And, and that's the way it is with these, these Democrats. Some of them just like want, apparently, want everybody to throw their, throw their guns away and throw their arms up and say, "You were right. I couldn't have possibly been that wrong. I'm sorry." Yeah. It, it was so. It, it, I mean, somebody even suggested a National Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I'm like, for, for what? Yeah, there, nothing is going to change. Let, let, let's be clear about that. Nothing is going to change. A friend of mine, a, a good friend of mine, sent an article to me saying the New York Times called officials in every state. Yeah, no evidence of voter fraud and, and said he's in utter shock that, are, that Republicans are refusing to accept democracy. I don't think that's what's going on, but my point is this. He reads a New York Times article and sees something completely different than what a Trump voter would see in that article. Sure. In in large part because of where it's from. Sure. And so not none of this is going to change. And that's unfortunate, right? Because it would be it would be better if it did. Um we'll 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 see how how it goes going forward. I mean, I you know, I, I've said this before. President-elect Biden, or whatever his official title is now, he's got this overhang of like he's you know a saint now. And the truth is, the guy's been an instigator his entire professional gotcha. career, right? He's going to be that. I mean, this yeah, is, it'll it'll be very interesting to see how this unfolds over you know a, a, an extended period of time because without uh, potentially without Donald Trump to you know focus their entire network around i don't know what some of these outlets are going to do yeah let me just stop you right there right you've already seen we're, we're 18 hours after um 18 hours after the the network's called uh, biden the winner right he, he gave his little speech uh, congresswoman orcasia cortez was on it was in an interview in the new york times where she basically laid it out and said the you know the real problem is the moderates and the moderates responded, you know, the real problem is is the crazies. Right, exactly. And the fact that they couldn't even get 24 hours into it, and then today it's Congresswoman Tlaib, um, you know, it, it's... You well, know, it, I mean, it's, it's ironic. It's the Obama Party versus the... It's the Obama Democratic Party versus AOC's Democratic well, Party. Well, yeah, I, you know, Bernie Sanders, AOC, yeah, that... Bernie, that, that Bernie, Democrat. AOC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it... it and they're not going to, I mean, they're going to blame each other for the drubbing they took. Well, they are. Right? In every other ballot ballot race in the country. Well, yeah. The, and, the, and that, you know, that's interesting. Or we haven't talked about that. There were two really interesting features of this election no one's talked about, right? One is, to my mind, the most interesting part of this thing is that um, the House Republicans um, outpolled uh, Democrats in House races, in, in contested House races, by about three percent, right? Three point one percent, a little bit, little bit more than the than the president um, lost to Mr. Biden by, right? Yeah, Is it, that that's remarkable. That's like the first time that's happened in the last four or five cycles, and it tells you something about uh, turnout, right? Um, and it tells you that that turnout is was strong in part because of the early 
early in-person voting, right? Um, and so that's probably a feature of the landscape. And then the second thing that happened is Republicans picked up a governor and picked up three state legislative bodies. That's right. And um, they held on to the Senate. It's right now, right now, this, uh, just let me get update on the numbers. Uh, as of today, right now, this morning, Sullivan was declared the winner by the media. Therefore, he's the winner. The GOP has 50 senators. Then we've got the two runoffs in Georgia. The likelihood of them losing both of those runoffs is, is well, practically they're, impossible. They're either going to win both or lose both, right? It's not going to split. And the thing is, is that well, it's funny. It's funny you bring up the runoff, right? Everything. And just you know, full disclosure, I was helping a candidate who didn't make the runoff. Um, the interesting thing about this is, is that um, Kelly Loeffler is going to have all the energy, right? Because the conservatives who showed up for Doug Collins are going to stay around for her because Doug has done a really good job of translating um, his support to her, right? Yes, he, he did. He was very gracious and was very good. He did and he was, and I appreciate and, that very much because it doesn't always happen no, these days. No, it, it could have been a lot uglier, and Doug um, is one of those things. You remember 50 years from now, people are going to be like, yeah, Doug Collins did the right thing, right? And all the money that's worried about a Democratic Senate is going to get to flow into Day Purdue knowing that you know, the money will wind up getting spent on both of them, right? So for all the super corporate types who are worried about, well, I can't really get behind Leffler because he wasn't totally right on BLM, they're going to give money to Dave Purdue. So that race is going to have a bunch of money and a bunch of energy. Tough to imagine the Republicans losing both, right? I think they're going to win both, and I think it's going to be not close. So that means it's 52 in the Senate as of January yeah. 5th. Yeah, we would have gone net minus one. And as of now, um, the, the House has converted a gain of six seats officially. Yeah. That and there was... are 16 remaining uncalled, half of them in New York and three or four in California. And uh, it, it's, it appears that the Republicans could end up having a, a net gain of, of as high as 13. Yeah. Eight to 10 is what everyone's expecting. And the interesting part there is, and we were just talking about this earlier before we got on with a friend, I was very dejected about California because in the last cycle, as you know, yeah, it was a blood we got routed because yeah. they harvest and we didn't. And now it looks like the GOP there got, uh, you know, even though they don't like the, the, the whole harvesting thing, they, they are, got, are at least trying to make these competitive. So we might see a, a better hold in California than we did last go round, which means in essence – the quote-unquote blue wave was really a red wave minus the top of the ticket. That's if right. If things stand the way they the, that's the exactly. way they stand, that's exactly right. It was a, it was a good election. It was a good election for for Republicans. Um, and you know, um, the great thing about the House is right. We're probably going to wind up. I I think we're going to wind up on the high end of that. I think we're going to go to two eleven. But it doesn't really matter, right? Um, you know, any, anything less than two hundred thirty as a majority, you have tr you have trouble um, because. Any group of 15 can hold you hostage, right? And in the House, that's progressives, right? The progressives and their allies are probably about 15. And the moderates and their allies are closer to 30. So, you know, all that said, you got to think um, Speaker Pelosi is going to wind up being weakened. And, you know, she's a lame duck. You know, she said she was going to do it for two terms. Okay. Um, and you're looking at a world in which the left side of the party is going to insist on votes that are going to sink the moderates. The midterms in 2020 
look to be very, very shaky for the Democrats in the House, especially. You know? Sure. Uh, Senate, um, we, we ran some numbers already for the midterms and, you know, a lot of the Dems, are, the Dems are a higher percentage of Dems are up, but they're all pretty safe seats minus maybe the Senate, Shaheen. The Senate. Yeah. yeah there's, in the there's, midterms. Yeah. There's two, there's, there's three races actually that there's three races on a, I, let me just push back on that for a second. There's three races on the democratic side. Um, where Democrats are incumbents that are going to be problematic. There's three races on the Republican side that are going to be tricky, right? On the Republican side, we're going to have an open seat in North Carolina, in um, Wisconsin, we're going to have to defend, and we're going to have to defend that open seat in Pennsylvania, right? Um, yeah, Toomey's resigning. That's right. The thing about Wisconsin that makes it makes me feel better about it is, is um, Senator Johnson's seat, right? And Wisconsin has a long tradition of having one communist and one American in the Senate. Um, you know, they... They, that goes back a long way. Um, so I'm confident about Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina, of course, going to be difficult. On the Democratic side, right, it's um, they're going to have to defend Nevada and Arizona and New Hampshire. And I know how the presidential election went. I suspect those seats are going to be a lot less certain after yeah, um, I agree with that. President Biden starts doing stuff. As soon as he and, does And stuff, it's the cinema seat. It is, I think, yeah. No. Or is it it's the, Kelly is the astronaut? It's the Kelly Okay. Um, well, maybe they'll field a candidate who, you know, has a chance of winning. Well, I mean. As opposed to the one that they yeah, fielded. Yeah, that was a disaster. Well, I'm just going to be pretty flat out about it. I well, mean, look, Colonel McSally, Senator McSally, whatever title she prefers, right? Um, you know, it's very difficult for me to imagine how you lose a Senate race and then have a have a governor appoint you to another Senate seat in, immediately thereafter. It, I don't blame her. I blame the governor. It, it's almost a middle finger to the that was the a state. disaster, and I I should have been more specific. The appointment was a disaster. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was it was a bad idea and was poorly executed. And you know, the bottom line is is that Senator McSally has managed to cough up two Senate seats in one state in two years, and that's got to be some that kind of trivia a, answer way to happen. Right? <laughs> some kind of record. Just got to be. Just right. got to be. Now, there has been precedent for uh, the top of the ticket winning and down down ballot not doing that well. It Split happens ticket. It, it happens, happens more than people might it, think. It right? It's funny you say that because I looked at this for a, for a column I wrote in the Washington Times. Yeah, I write a column twice a week. I will be plugging one of your columns and quoting from it later. So, so, don't worry. so, so I thought about it, um, and it turns out like eight or nine times in the last uh, in the last fifteen cycles, um, in the last probably in the last twenty cycles since Kennedy, right? So sixty years, about eight or ten times in the last sixty years, you've had presidents elected and gone the wrong way on the House of Representatives, which which was I did not expect that at all. I thought that it was just Kennedy and Bush. But it turned out there was a whole bunch of people who mm -hmm. had the same problems, right? Including Clinton and Obama, and now Mr. Trump, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it 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 it's not unusual, is I guess what I'm saying, especially not now. Um, yeah. It, but but people still have it in their head, like waves, waves happen, waves happen, waves happen. I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes voters just do what they do. They just yeah. do what they do. Voters do what they do, and and. Election uh, election uh, workers, or you know, we have this. Uh, we'll have this running disagreement, but it's not a disagreement. We, there, we, there are some we, shenan shenanigans going on in some of these deep, deep blue cities. But we'll get through this, and uh, when the electors meet and and 
uh, choose a president uh, beyond that, uh, let us hope that out of all of this, we, we have a recognition that there ought to be s- some efforts to uh, increase transparency uh, in the process. Yes. But also, if we are, if the genie's out of the bottle on this mail-in ballot stuff, then um, we, the, the, well, not we, but the Republicans uh, ought to get on board and just basically accept the fact that we're moving towards this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think, I think, and and that's good, by the way. I think the early in-person stuff at multiple locations is good. It, it helps everybody get to the polls in a, in a, in a way that works best for them. And, you know, so I think as an American, it, it's good and I like it. And as a Republican, it's good and I like it because it turns out, it turns out that the easier you make voting, the more Republicans turn out. Which makes perfect sense if you think about it, because Republicans have jobs; they're busy. They're not. Of, you know, you know, the easier it is for dead people to vote too, though. So well, we've got to make need, sure that gets know, cleaned up. I, I mean, that's I think, the bottom line. Is we? I, think, I do agree that no matter the outcome of this, we ought to be comfortable with the outcome. I, I think of I, elections, like we I, ought, ought not feel like it was stolen. I'm very. The only part of it, yes, I agree, absolutely, of course. Who you know, everybody agrees with that. The thing that bothers me the most here in this is that is that some states are great. They're really good at this, right? Florida is really good at this. And some states are terrible. I mean, Alaska, Georgia. I mean, you just say, eh, we're not going to count. We'll start counting in a week. Now, I know the Constitution says the states are going to control this stuff, but there's got to be some way for, for some kind of national standard or whatever. Because it just mm, – some, some, look, even if it's just, hey, man, you're going to have yeah. votes counted within a day or two or three or whatever. But this – this we cannot have a representative democracy where some states just look at it like – The state well, – I would prefer the states themselves set the deadlines. So would I. But, it, but you know, the thing about it is – And clamp them down. I am in favor. I'll, I'll make news right now. I am in favor of a constitutional amendment making this a federal thing because, you know, it, there are there are enough states where there are enough questions about the sturdiness of their of their um, transparency and legality and timeliness that it's starting to undermine confidence in the democracy. So, I, you know, I'm a states rights guy, always have been, always will be. But. You can't suck indefinitely without somebody saying something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I do think that uh, I think that is a responsibility. And most of these states, quite an- candidly, have Republican state legislatures. Yeah. So they ought to be very, very vocal about the fact that they're going to take a look at this stuff. I was, I was surprised. You know, I wasn't surprised. Look, I, I, you know, I was born in New York and I learned my politics in Philadelphia. So I wasn't surprised that Pennsylvania was shaky, right? And I'm never surprised when Michigan's shaky because it has Detroit. Um, you know, I, I'm amazed that Georgia and Alaska were as, and Nevada were as bad as they were. I mean, that's people need to really think about what they want to be when they grow up because that's just inexcusable. Yeah. So uh, I am plugging one of your, edit, what do they call them, commentary pieces? What is the official title of? of I have no idea. Columns. In, the, in your column, in, my in the column, Washington there. Times, winners and losers in the 2020 election. And I just want to quote, uh, make one quote. I think it it's sufficiently summarizes your column. The final set of losers in 2020 is, of course, the media 
In his long march through American political institutions, President Trump has destroyed the Bush dynasty, the Clinton dynasty, the Obama legacy, the Republican obsession with President Reagan, many of the pointless and outdated customs of Washington, and most important, the illusion of an unbiased media. Yeah. So the president had an accomplishments list that circulated around the West Wing, right? And we'd re-up it every couple of weeks with add new stuff. But always at the top of the list was save the failing New York Times. It was always the first thing on the accomplishments <laughs> list, right? Which was – and the first time I read it, I'm like, we, we can't have this as an accomplishments list. And somebody explained to me, he said, it's really just a cheat sheet for our guys. It's just a way to have fun with it. And as soon as I saw it that way, I'm like, that's pretty damn funny. Um, yeah, the, the – um, you know, what What the president did is what outsiders do a lot of times, it expose illusions that people walk around with in their heads. And after the four years, you know, assuming they're over, he's it's going to be impossible to pretend that the media is anything other than what they are now. Yeah, I think he did beyond that. I mean, we've got – we'll do our list of energy accomplishments and, and everybody will have their list of accomplishments the uh, the president. I bet, uh, I bet everyone's not going to have their list well, of accomplishments. Everyone in our world, yeah. anyway. Well, the president has done more than just that. I think he has exposed the ruling class as well. Yeah, oh, for yeah. what they are. Yeah, and they have absolute nothing but disdain for flyover country. Period. Yeah, they, uh, and and it's oozing out in their calls for unity. Get on board, just like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Get on board of our on, get on, on board, our train. Get on board or, all you or get or you will not have a job. You will not have clients. Get get on board all you racist and horrible people. Yeah, yeah no, I it I want to offer a friendly amendment to that. It's not just flyover country, right? They don't like people who live like in our middle class and work in places like New York and Long Island and Pennsylvania, right? It 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 yeah, the great big middle of the country, they definitely can't stand. But they can't even stand some of their neighbors on the East Coast. Right? Yeah. So regardless of how all of this ends up, uh, President Trump definitely has company uh, in sort of exposing uh, and and basically a a, war, a warning to the to the country. And I, I, I'm struck by what uh, President Eisenhower talked about. He warned against the military-industrial complex, but he also was very concerned about corruption in the scientific process. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that come to yeah, light seriously, right now. Seriously, man. It, it, so that between that and what you know, Trump has done with the media. The thing about the media, you know, is everybody wants to say it's some terrible, terrible thing. I'm like, you know, this 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 fantasy about a neutral media, it, it dates from the 20th century. It's not like. No, no, I, I'm not saying I, I'm not under no illusion that the the media is biased. But when in this, you also touched on this and was reflected in one of your other columns, when they put their thumb on the scale, sure, in an in as overt a fashion as they have, yeah, that is a corrupting. That is a corrupting thing for it, for democracy. It have, is having the media, or what is sort of yeah. quote unquote the media has done in this last four years. It, it, it is, but I, I tell you what, it's a self-correcting problem because over time, everybody recognizes recognizes this for what it is, right? It, it's Everybody's biased. The guys in the media are biased, probably about 80% against the Republicans, um, certainly that much against Trump too, right? Um, and over time, 
it's not so much that you lose credibility if you're a reporter. It's that everybody just bakes in the idea that, okay, you're a homer for one side or the other, right? You know, and, and it's, that's what the media is really annoyed about is that they've lost the ability to claim that they're neutral. You know, it's not that they have lost their neutrality. They were never neutral. It's they lost the ability to claim that they're neutral. And that's why they're so pissed at mm -hmm. the president because he, he's just like, yeah, I, you, know, you, yeah. Guys, you guys come from this side. I'm from the other side. And that's cool. I'm not mad about it. But let's not kid ourselves. You guys, you know, you guys are borderline Marxists. You know? Yeah. And I don't know how this is ultimately going to end up. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that big tech Silicon Valley uh, you know, everyone's worried, you know, the Democrats in the Biden camp or the or the progressives or whoever you, you know, want to lump them all together. They want big tech to censor even more. They they, they want big tech to basically yeah. empower these guys to just shut down, you know, any voice that doesn't echo theirs. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you know, that's um that's a disaster. Right. Um. I'm not sure what happens in the next ten years in the tech space, but there is probably now enough of a enough ballast um, to regulate those guys as as um, publishers rather. Than I mean, platforms. but who's going to do that? It's not oh, going to happen under Biden. Oh, I don't know. Sure. I don't know. You know, there's enough there. You know, there's enough people on the on the left side. There's enough free speechers and people on the Bernie Sanders camp who think we got hosed. And there's certainly enough people on the right side and free speechers to think, huh, you know, how do I want to do this, right? And that's the tricky part about this. It's a pure coalition play. We don't do coalitions here anymore. We don't do legislative no, coalitions. But, uh, but we are going to be witnessing a, a coalition government, government yeah. under Biden. Yeah, that, that's different because at some point there's a guy, there's one person, Biden, who's going to make decisions, right? And so that's not, you know, it's a coalition, but boom, legislative coalitions, you know as well as I do. Yeah. There's always eight or 10 or 15 people who like can blow it up at any given moment. Um, it, it's the tech thing is going to be the second most interesting fight of the next 10 years. Theoretically, uh, we should be including something about energy in every one of these shows, episodes. I did uh, see that the uh, president-elect or Whatever. the office of the transition to the <laughs> next guy has started to come out with his agency uh, teams. Yeah. Some interesting names. By the way, uh, a week after the election, names, a little write-up. It must be fabulous to be organized and not weighted down by a bunch of lawyers who want to vet everything. Yeah, um, that's not that. If that sounds a little bitter, go with it. Yeah, it was a little bit frustrating. It, uh, it, if it, you could, it, you know, say the least. It, it's, but our friends at EPA, uh, the the um, team leader, is someone who is at Earth Justice. Sure. And I noticed a whole lot of the usual cast of characters, with a slight tip to the progressives. Yeah. Tilt to the progressives. But it is the revolving door of the green groups in the yeah, agencies I mean, that are relevant. I, I just from the names that I you know that I knew and the names I didn't know, I gathered you know it's a it seems to me to be about a um, sixty forty mix, right? Sixty Sanders guys and forty um, Obama retreads, um, and it's going to be interesting to see who actually gets appointed to this stuff because I get the distinct impression the Biden guys are like, sure, yeah, we'll absolutely let you re write the trans transition yeah. reports. 
But we're not going to give you any of the jobs. Yeah, I think that um, yeah. that's probably the first bone yeah. to the progressives. Sure. Absolutely. Because we all know that at the end of the day, these yeah. – although everyone who joins the transition team, except for me, I guess, theoretically wants a job in the administration. Well, I know um, I, know I didn't and – you know, I probably should have stuck with that original thought. Yeah, I mean, and and we we wrote a great transition report, um, and then Rick but, per- and then Rick Perry got the job. Yeah, and, and he basically ripped it up or did, put it in a shelf somewhere. Did a which, did a big bag of way, nothing. At what point are we? Is the statute of limitations run out on 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 that report? Oh, we should probably publish it now. We probably, <laughs> you know what? Any reporter who's listening to this, call us and we'll give you the transition report so you can write a story about. Hey, here's what the Trump guys wanted to do. And here's what Secretary Perry wound up doing. I mean, it's, you know. It, you can call Mike. Call me. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So it won't be, uh, it will not be, they will not have the top, their, their top progressive choices in, in these positions uh, in, in the I, agencies. I think, you know, the, the, the big loser, one of the big losers in the, you know, in the Republicans holding the Senate, assuming they do, is the Bernie Sanders crowd. Because there's just some people who are not going to get confirmed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Biden's got to figure out a way to balance Senator McConnell on one side and Senator Sanders on the other. And they, they did, uh, the progressive did say they appreciated the uh, projected chief of staff, Ron Klain, yeah. which I find a little bit ironic and interesting <laughs> yeah, as the most progressive of the names floated. Yeah. You know, that, that's putting lipstick on a pig, right? I, and I don't mean Ron's a pig. It just, um, the idea that he's a progressive the guy's a venture capitalist, for God's sake. I mean, he, He's he's worked in and around this game for 30 years. He's an Obama guy. He's a Biden guy. Um, it it the, the idea that he's some progressive revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, if all the progressive progressive revolutionaries, you know, he did Capitol Grill every Tuesday. Yeah, he's a progressive revolutionary. It, it's 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 going to be a long dark winter. For the Sanders guys, yeah, it's going. To, yeah. Uh, this this next, uh, assuming everything goes the way that uh, the media has has declared, the there will be not the we won't run out of fodder. Oh. That is for sure. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be, it's going to be the best four years of our lives, and it actually is going to be um, interesting to see how the media turns here. Like, how are they going to report? Washington, no, that, that's right? Easy. I mean, they've oriented everything towards. They have no so so. You can't, um, you know, once a, once a once a bear gets taste for human flesh, right? They got to kill it. Um, and it's the same with the media, right? They've gotten a taste for they got a taste for for combat, right? And they're going to need the they're going to need the circuses, right? They're going to they're going to absolutely need the Coliseum to go on. The only thing that's going to change is the gladiators' names, and it's no accident. Right out of the gate, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez leads off the New York Times. Right, boom! The Times went to find her, knowing full well they were going to get a great story out of her, and they were going to be able to run it as soon as Biden said, "Hey, we should all get unified." And she's just like 18 hours later, hey, stand still while I put a bullet in these guys. So, you know, Biden can't even figure out how to unify the D's. The media is going to make sure he can't unify the D's and everyone else is going to make sure he can't unify the rest of the country. It's 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 going to be epic. It's going to be fun to watch him chew on somebody other than Trump. So I want to shift gears uh, very quickly uh, and talk about another um, issue, the 
some uh, individual wrote, and I'll read it. The intellectual and moral collapse of opinion research was widespread and uniform. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I thought about that sentence for a long time before I wrote it. So as someone who does polling for a living, and my staff keeps uh, reminding me that we do polling, so are we to not believe our polls as a result? And I want you to deconstruct this a little bit yeah. um, just for our audience. This is not about polling itself no um it's about presidential that's right polling well it's about it's about this particular not just presidential polling and that's general gist of that column was that they were wrong um across the board here and they were wrong for a single reason they oversampled democrats they managed to overestimate how many democrats were going to show up on game day compared to republicans and that's a not uncommon mistake. What made it what made it egregious in this case is is two. One is the magnitude of the of the magnitude of the overestimation was um, out of bounds, out of all proportion to expectations. Right when you do a survey, you need to look at it, the results, and think: Does that conform with everything else I know about the world? Right? Does it conform? Not necessarily identically, but does it? Is it? Is it? You know, an outlier on what I know, or is it in line with what I know? Um, and I'll give you a specific example. On the Friday before election, the um, w, uh, the Wall Street Journal NBC News survey, right, um, showed that Mr. Biden had a 12-point lead. Now, at the time, I remember thinking, that's insane. And I'll tell you why I think it's insane. Because since 1936, no Democratic, uh, only one Democratic candidate for president has gotten more than 53% of the vote, right? And that was, of course, Lyndon Johnson in 1964, right? When, when the, when the, sure. you know, um, when um, you know St. John Kennedy was on the ballot along with him, right? Right. Um, so you're going through the last two elections of Franklin Roosevelt, and all these Democratic presidents you imagine are popular. Fifty-three percent is their top end, and any any survey researcher should have looked at that twelve points and said, "Man, that doesn't make sense. Biden's not going to win this thing fifty-six forty-four. That's not how this world's going to go." They just ran it. They 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 kicked it out into public, right? So it's it's and it, and they weren't alone, right? People were coughing up all kinds of ridiculous numbers, right? Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at at South Carolina, for example, they right. had they had, they had this well, Lindsey Graham up by three, but he won by ten, right? And and that's you know, and that's the other, that's the second part, right? The second part that makes it egregious is is that and at no time, at no time in this election did any of the mainstream pollers. Any of these opera, any of these polling operations, take a look at the world and say, "What if we're wrong here? What if we've overestimated? Let's run us a survey and see, like, if we change the numbers, what happens, right? If we if we overestimate Republicans, or if we re- realign the estimates." So what it was was a consistent drumbeat in one direction, and I knew it was wrong, like all the way along, right? No way Biden was going to win by nine points. Like, just no way. Yeah. Well, Chuck Todd, uh, you know, is going to have eating crow because he bragged about how they've corrected all of their polling yeah, and everything and, and, else. Right. I it, mean, and, and, and two last thoughts. Right. One is 
and this is really, really bad. And that's why I said about the intellectual and moral collapse of, of Poland, right? In a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, not a, not a few cases, but in a lot of cases, polls were used to convince donors to give more money to races that were over, right? North South Carolina, Jamie Harrison, the, the Democratic candidate, got a hundred million bucks. You can't spend a hundred million bucks on a Senate race in South Carolina. I'm sorry, the media markets aren't that big, state isn't that big. You just literally cannot. And you know what? Harrison was never competitive in that race, never, not once, um, and. I'm certain it happened elsewhere. I know it happened elsewhere. It happened in Yeah, Montana. Mitch McConnell. It happened, right? I, it I mean, happened he Mitch won McConnell. by what? 20? Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, it happened in Texas with John Cornyn and, and MJ Hager. Yeah, I mean, Texas is blue. Texas is right. turning you blue. Know, Texas, None of the numbers bear that out. Texas, None whatsoever. Republicans won all the seats. Republicans won all the seats that were open, held it for the president, held the state senate. It, it, when polling is used to extract money from donors, it becomes a corrupt enterprise. And I get the distinct impression that's how this was used. That's one. And then two is, you know, great big giant egg on our face because they, the, they called it wrong because they overestimated. So one central flaw, never addressed. And, you know, there's, there should be a bunch of people who never work in the business again. The depressing thing is, I guarantee you the chuckleheads at the RNC and the DNC are going to go back and hire those same guys. Yeah. I, I, one thing I've learned in, is that Win or lose, those same guys get paid every single cycle. If I had to, if I had a, if I didn't have a soul, and I had to rechoose uh, and go down a different line in politics, yeah. I would be a media consultant or a, a consultant to a campaign. Yeah, because they are the ultimate fleecing operations. Yeah, it's, and that, and that's the thing about it, right? Well, you know this, but what people don't understand is there's a direct line between what polling shows what donors give and what consultants put in their pockets. And so, you know, it, and in a lot, and it's no accident that the campaign consultants wind up picking the opinion researchers because they want to make sure that, Hey, I want to make sure my friends are in here telling the donors and the candidates what I need them to hear. Um, it's a terrible business. It's a corrupt business. Um, and I have no idea how it gets fixed. Eventually some member is going to step off the fundraising merry-go-round and just say, you know what, um, I can't believe all this money makes a difference. You know, that that extra, the 900th commercial that somebody's I, seen. I mean, I have not lived difference. in a swing state in my whole life. So, you know, it, since I was in, it, it, since I was a child. So I don't, first of all, we cut the cord. Yeah. We don't even have cable. Yeah. And secondly, I just, I'm never, I've never, I don't even pay attention to it. So I'm the wrong person to ask if, if. Television advertising for candidates makes a difference in 2020 or beyond. If, I don't believe it does. If, if it does, it's marginal. It's not worth a hundred million bucks. And and that's, you know, everybody always talks about, oh, there's so much money in politics. There's so much money in politics, not because of politicians. They hate raising money. I never met a, I never met an elected official once who was like, hey, I'm really excited about making 40 phone calls right. today to people. I well, don't know. now they have the small dollar stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, Where I got yeah. 80 million tweets saying chip in, yeah. 100,000% match. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was just it's, like. It's ridiculous, right? It, yeah, it's insane. But it's, it's specifically designed to feed campaign consultants. I know. There's no other reason. And I know people do. I mean, people respond to it because I keep telling my dad, don't, don't stop giving them money. You're done. You gave them a hundred bucks. Leave it at that. But they want to, they want to do, they want to fight the recount. I'm like, you, you know, are not 
the, needing the world, to give the them a hundred more end. dollars. The world is going to end. So, like, dude, the world ain't going to end. Speaking of the world ending, yes, Notre we've Dame had some B. inquiries. Notre Dame B. Clemson. We've had some inquiries about USC. Uh, no, I'm not. No, we've had some inquiries <laughs> about whether or not, at some point down the road, when he's sworn in, Joe Biden um, the, is going to declare a climate emergency. The nominal president, vice president, the nominal, the nominal president elect. Um, yeah, it, it's it's conceivable, but not not ferociously likely. And I think if it happens, it'll happen. Um, in year three of the administration, when he needs to goose turnout among the among the true believers on the left, right? Because to do it right out of the gate would be to more or less commit him to a bunch of stuff that would sink everybody in the midterm. Yeah, yeah, he won't do it before the midterms for sure. Yeah, and yeah. if he he will do it if he has to do it yeah. if if he needs to release the pressure valve uh, on the progressives. After they see string of disappointment after that's right. disappointment that's after right. disappointment, it, it, it's and it's just, and that's a great way to think about it, right? It's what happens after he spent three years flailing around on this issue, like like you know they're gonna. I mean, I, I was asked yesterday um, by a finance guy, and I had no good answer. He's like, "Are they going to have a great big giant infrastructure package? And if so, how are they going to um, fund it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, the infrastructure package is going to be in line with what it was, you know, four or five years ago at last time they re-upped it." maybe tens of billions of dollars bigger, not hundreds of billions yeah. of dollars bigger. And yeah, the, the House might be dopey enough to vote on the gas tax and sink everybody. Yeah, that and would be good. It, and or hopefully uh, you I, know, I, we start seeing votes on carbon I'm going to start insisting on so. that we vote on a carbon tax. You know I want We every- have been, d- d- for the record, yeah, man. for our audience, yeah. we have been calling for a vote on the Senate floor on a carbon tax for years and years and years. Sheldon- Let's have the vote. Sheldon White, Sheldon Whitehouse wants to, wants to tag us with a $40 a ton, you know, gas tax. Let's have it. I'm all for it. Let's just get it out there so we have a baseline. Yeah. Let's do it. It's absolutely essential. Sheeps. But what we are going to end up having, I think, is to have to fight the extenders again. Yeah. Have to fight the PTC again. Um, We're going to have to do a lot of the the stuff that the Republicans can't help themselves support. Although, it is always interesting to note that Republicans suddenly and – expeditiously concern themselves with the deficit yeah, man. and debt reduction whenever yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. a Democrat so, is in the White House. So, so maybe <laughs> so um, maybe that'll be a check because all of a sudden now spending is going to be a big problem for the it, Republicans. It, it, it's 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 kind of ridiculous. Um the um right spending I'll, I'll tell you one quick story, one 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 West Wing story that I probably shouldn't say. A senior Republican senator senior like you know in the in the top six or seven of of um seniority leadership right um we're having this long conversation after like one of the cares act and he's like yeah there's you know we spent a little money but that's not bad right blah 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 blah. and you know there have been some talk about the fifth year budget and president trump's second term was going to have like a budget you know it got balanced inside of 10 years and this guy's like yeah we don't have to balance it in 10 years we don't even really have to balance it in 15 years he said the, not enough. He said, we don't really have to balance it at all, do we? And I was like, you know, I'm not going to name this senator, but I thought this is why people don't like 
people in Washington. Yeah. Because this is a guy, I guarantee you, he's out there right now talking about financial, uh, fiscal restraint. And, of you course. Know, blah, 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 blah. I, even publicly, I mean, this is not a secret. Our our majority leader said, you know, we never lost an election spending too much money. So. Yeah. He's, you know, it it it's a terrible thing. We'll see how it goes. Uh, one thought, you, you raised the extenders. Yeah. Actually, two thoughts on the extenders, right? One is we're going to have, I think, a serious effort to expand that EV tax credit, right? Get that number above yes. 200000 for for those of For those who are, actually, I don't think anyone who listens is not someone hip. that we not know. Hip. But the extenders are the annual tax giveaways that the Senate gives to preferred pet sources of energy, in particular wind, solar, and electric vehicles, which is going to also be, there'll be a lot of pressure on EV uh, uh, spending for EVs. Yeah. So the thing about it is, you know, there's going to be some expanded, expanded, expanded. Chinese are going to try to get into that, right? We got a new Chinese EV manufacturer, Geely, and they're coming in under the trade names of Polestar and Volvo, right? Because they bought Volvo. And they're going to want to double dip. They're going to have 200,000 caps for both Volvo sure. and Polestar. Sure. And car companies are actually f- financing startups. Yeah. Ford has a startup that they're going to actually, I think it's a truck, right. that they're going to double dip, basically, because as these major auto ma- right. manufacturers start hitting their cap, that's right. They're that's how to... they're going to get their, and, their and share of the and pie. That's how, and that's, you know, that's the really bad thing, because I think the Biden administration could theoretically, by changing the definition of car manufacturer in the rules, could let them double dip. And that's that's kind of weasley. So that's thing one. And then thing two that you need to worry about is I would not be surprised to see somebody take a run at the crude oil export mm. ban, um, the ban that is not there anymore. I would not be amazed to see somebody try to reinstate that. Yeah, that'll be a tall order. Um, uh, it, it will be. We but... need to devote a uh, an episode or a par- large portion of an episode to dig deep on some of these issues because I think there'll be numerous challenges that we'll be facing, but I think there might be a few opportunities as well. Um, yeah, there's always opportunities. This is America. So, it's a land of opportunity. But I hope that there's enough time for that because as with this particular individual, I'm very, very concerned. I'm afraid we are literally at the last hour and there is real urgency for action. With the urgency required, I hope, ladies and gentlemen, you will join me to drive a new Marshall-like plan for nature, people, and planet. Yeah. <laughs> and then Prince Charles. And then Bonnie Prince Charles. We are Charles. literally at the literally. last hour. And, and then Bonnie Prince Charles got on his private jet and flew to one of his eight castles where he cranked up the heat or the air conditioning, depending on the season, and watched a big screen TV. While his aides tied his shoe, or no, I'm sorry, pressed his shoelaces and have them waiting for him when he arrives. So, you know, this is this is going to show up in a column here in the next four or five months. The reason that people don't completely buy this thing, the reason why everyone's like, yeah, sure, I believe in climate change because you want me to believe in it, but I'm not paying anything for it, is because the adherents themselves, the loudest adherents, have the biggest footprints. Oh, yeah. And, and, they, and they're all like, well, it doesn't matter for me. It's collective action and all that other stuff. But you know what? Long story short, if the early Christians had lived— We're getting deep here— his, in history. It's true. But if the early Christians had lived like the Romans, if, if they had made no distinction between themselves and the, and the um, prevailing regime, nobody would have become Christian. They would have been like, well, how are you different than the other chuckleheads? In other words, if you're proposing that somebody change their lives, 
you better model it first so everybody can look at that and go, yeah, that's the kind of life I want to lead. And to get lectured, to get lectured by a member of the British royalty about climate change? Not only, not, not I, I, you know what? over we, and we over We beat and your over asses in over. two wars. We don't have to listen to I you. I honestly think that uh, the queen is holding on. Just, oh, just, no, I, I honestly believe that the queen is holding on because she just does she want i think she wants to outlive her son everyone everyone recognizes that their children are nitwits whatever <laughs> whatever you say whatever you say in in public right privately when you ask any parent they're like yeah the kid's an idiot if breathing wasn't autonomic they'd suffocate right so um so i'm sure she feels that he's an idiot the difference is is that she actually has a fact pattern to back it up right yeah yeah, yeah. I, you wonder about elizabeth who um I'm no fan of the British royalty. I'm no fan of any royalty. Um, but who was sturdy at a very young age during World War II, right? And and has seen her country through decolonization and all that stuff, right? Difficult things for an empire. You have to think she looks at her son and, and wonders how, how, how did I wind up with this? Yeah, well... For another time, we will we will continue this conversation. Until then, sayonara, sounding off. Not the week I expected. Apologize no, I didn't again. expect Notre Dame to be Clemson either. Apologize Go again. Irish. Just keep ignoring that stuff. I apologize again for uh, skipping last week. We will not let it happen again. Come rain, sleet, snow, or what have you, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Hey.